الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى قال تبارك وتعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم الحمد لله الله سبحانه وتعالى has brought us right to the end of the month of Rajab, best month of Rajab, Mubarak month of Rajab. And tomorrow evening we will be scanning the sky for the month of Sha'ban. And we know once we reach the month of Sha'ban, it's a very, very quick procession to the month of Ramadan. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to fast in Sha'ban the most after the month of Ramadan. Our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha once questioned him that, Ya Rasulullah, you fast so often in the month of Sha'ban. The Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam referred to it as the neglected month. But between Rajab and, Sha- and, and Ramadan, this becomes a neglected month. And it's a month we should take cognizance of. And in this month comes a very significant night, the Nisf of Sha'ban, the 15th night of Sha'ban, Laylatul Bara'ah, Shabi Barat as we say. And we should now be preparing our mindset for the month of Ramadan. So there is a mental mindset, an emotional mindset that we need to create before we reach the month of Ramadan, not that it's the month of Ramadan just appears and now we decide to have a time management plan. We decide to have plan how we're going to spend our 24 hours in every day of Ramadan. We do not know whether we will even make it to Ramadan. How many people have been with us of all ages who were with us last Ramadan and they're not with us today? How many of us will be around till, till Sha'ban, the last day of Sha'ban also? But they will not witness the month of Ramadan. The knowledge of that is only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his dua, Allahumma barik lana fi rajabin wa sha'bana wa ballighna Ramadan. We should be increasing that dua now. 
daily we should be making the dua that oh Allah bless me in Rajab, bless me in Sha'aban, let me reach the month of Ramadan. And indeed if we reach the month of Ramadan, indeed we are fortunate. If you ask, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah has written that if you ask the people in the Qabristan, the mu'mineen who lie in the Qabristan, that what would you desire most in the world, what would you desire most? They will reply if they could have replied one day of Ramadan, just one day of Ramadan. So let us fervently make dua that inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless each of us with life that we see the blessed month of Ramadan and we see many, many Ramadan in the future as well. Coming to our discussion today, we have a very short discussion just to summarize a few important points, the Ten Commandments that have been given to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which is mentioned in Surah An'am. Now, these Ten Commands that have been given to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they are so comprehensive. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala says that these commandments were given to every Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Adam alayhi salam right to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hazrat Ka'ab bin Ahbar radiallahu ta'ala anhu who was a Yahudi and accepted the deen of Islam. He mentions that these were the opening verses of the Torah which was revealed to Musa alayhi salatu. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala he says that these ayat, if anyone wants to know the wasiyah, what is the bequest and the wasiyah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam, what is the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam, then it is these ten ayat, these ten commands that have been given to us in Surah An'am, this is the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam. So quickly to summarize, what are these ten commandments? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قُلْ تَعَالُوا Let Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say to them, come, come near, come close, come listen. تَعَالُوا أَتْلُ مَا حَرَّمَ رَبُّكُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ أَلَّا تُسْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْحًا That your Rabb has commanded you that you do not ascribe partners to him. That you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and none but him. And this is the fundamental basis of our deen. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came into Makkah Mukarramah the shirk was so prevalent. And to fight that shirk, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was that beacon of guidance and that light in that darkness. And he proclaimed his message day and night. And alhamdulillah, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was established and shirk was removed from the Jazeera al-Arab. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one of his requests was to remove the mushrikeen, the kuffar from the Jazeera al-Arab. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them, the mushrikeen, Ya amanu, But oh you who believe the mushrikeen are filth, the impure, the filthy. And today we can see what is happening in that same blessed Haramain Sharifain. That shirk is returning again there. Rabbi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned in one hadith that Qiyamah will not come until a part of the Arabs go back to shirk. A part of the Arabs, some people who are so tawheed and the unity of Allah is so embedded in them that we can see the khurafat the evil influences coming in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And we can see now that in Riyadh, the first liquor store has opened. We can see in the UAE, in Abu Dhabi, that they are manufacturing, the first brewery has opened. And we can see the vices and the sin in the Haramain al-Sharifain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect the Haramain al-Sharifain from all these khurafat. So shirk, qiyamah will not come. So shirk, part of the Arab, don't go back to shirk. And we can see in the UAE, a holy cow has come. Where these same Arabs who proclaim Tawheed with such fervor that these same Arabs are falling in line and committing shirk. Recently we saw that a BJP minister, people who are opposing the deen of Allah, people who are destroying the massages of Allah, 
you can see that those same people are given the red carpet treatment to come right out outside Masjid al-Nabawi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as tour. This is the state, the pitiful state of the world. 120 days plus has passed that the onslaught against the people of Gaza is taken. And not a single Muslim government, not a single Muslim government has raised one rifle in the direction of those rifles. It is those people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them such jazba of iman that day and night they are sacrificing for the deen of Allah. They're playing with their lives, they're playing with their blood, they're playing with their flesh, they're playing, playing with their children for the defense of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to remove oppression and injustice from the world. So it is our duty that while we make dua every day that Allah takes us to the month of Ramadan, we also side by side in every salah, every day after salah, we should be making a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the emancipation of our brothers and sisters in Gaza. And not only in Gaza, but throughout the world, wherever they are suffering, we see that our brothers are suffering in Kashmir. Never like before, they are suffering there. The Indian occupation has got such a siege on our Muslim brothers. In India, the, the suffering of our Muslim brothers and sisters in India, so much of information doesn't even come to us. That a, a masjid was just destroyed this week. In Delhi, a masjid was destroyed. Centuries old masajid are being destroyed. And then we can see that the Ram, the Ram Temple has opened on the site of the Babri Masjid. We need to see who our enemies are. We need to move away from their way of life and come to the life of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so that's the first command, that do not ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Worship him alone. You alone we worship, you alone we ask for help. And then we need to advise our brothers also. We see so much of shirk taking place in the mazars, in and around our country, and in Durban. We need to, with hikmah, with, with love, muhabba, we need to advise our ignorant brothers that what you're doing is committing shirk. You are bowing to graves. You are asking those people in those graves for your needs. That is all shirk. In the shirk Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That be kind to your parents. Even if they're unkind to you. But you still have to be kind to your parents. Even if your parents are non-Muslims too, then you have to fulfill their rights. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, immediately after he speaks about worshipping him alone, in the very next command and order, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the kindness of parents. Bir towards our parents. Can we understand the status that our parents have in our being? That immediately after worshipping Allah, So I had spoken previously, Regarding kindness to parents, it's a bayan on its own. Each of these commands needs 10 Jumu'ah to cover each and every aspect of them. But briefly, the status and the maqam that our parents have. If a sahabi who had decided to migrate and he comes to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to say that I have made the decision to migrate, but my parents are crying over my decision. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa forbade him from migrating. He says, how you made them cry, go make them laugh now. Go make them laugh how you made them cry. And we know the maqam and the daraja of parents, that the, the dua of the parents is a dua that is readily accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fortunate is that person who has one or two parents alive in the world. His doors of Jannah are open. They mustn't be, I was speaking to metric boys this morning on the same topic, and I was explaining to them that if you have parents, you are the most fortunate person in this world. You have parents. And if you don't have parents, that's something that you cherish and you desire. And he gave them an example that one of the most enviable sights a person can see is when a person is holding his elderly parent 
walking with an elderly parent, sometimes you see in the masajid that an obedient child is taking out that, that old aged father, taking him out from the vehicle, patiently bringing him to the masjid, seating that father of his, helping that father very, very patiently. I asked the children, can there be a more enviable sight than that, that obedient child who is serving his parents? And I gave them one advice which I'll share with you, that a day mustn't pass if you have parents, one or two is alive. A day mustn't pass in your life that you haven't seen your parents. If your parents are living nearby, a day mustn't pass in your life that you haven't seen your parents. Even if you see them for a fleeting minute or so, you're getting the sawab of Hajj Umrah and Jihad Sabirullah. Just to look at the parents' face with mahabba, with love and affection, irrespective of the parents' attitude, irrespective of that. But you doing your duty as a child, just looking at them with love and mahabba, then you're getting your sawab of Hajj Umrah and Jihad Sabir. Can they be a greater virtue than that? And if you can't see them for whatever reason, then a day mustn't go that you do not speak to them. If every single day has to pass when you speak to your parents in the event that you can't see. One young brother told me, about 40 years of age, he told me, Molana, a day hasn't gone in my life that I haven't seen my parents. Even if whatever the circumstances, unless I'm sick, I can't see them for whatever I'm suffer. But a day will not pass in my life that I will not go and see my, even if it's late in the night, I will still go see them. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ خَشْيَةَ إِلَّاكُمْ نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُهُمْ وَإِيَّاكُمْ That, do not kill your children, do not murder your children, do not abort your children, out of fear of poverty. We sustain you also, نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكُمْ وَإِيَّاهُمْ We sustain you and we sustain you. Sustenance is not in our hands. When we came into this world, if a person wants to understand what's helplessness, look at a baby. A baby is absolutely helpless. To help itself. Who sustains a child? Who sustained us in the wombs of our mothers? Allah fashioned us in the wombs of our mothers. Who sustained us? Who Allah? He sustained us. The risk of every creature on this earth has been predestined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Razik, He's the Razak. He will provide. So today we see that the families have become smaller and smaller and smaller. Yet Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, فَإِنِّي مُكَاثِرٌ بِكُمُ الْأُمَمَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That have large families. Why? I have lots of children. Because you will be a source of my happiness on the day of Qiyamah. Having large families is bringing joy to the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That when, you, when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sees his ummah in large numbers, and what you have contributed to the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this will be one of the means of bringing joy and pleasure and happiness to the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We are not the sustainers. The sustainer, the cherisher, the provider is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ خَشْيَةَ إِمْلَاءٍ نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكُمْ وَإِيَّاهُمْ وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنَ وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنَ And don't go near sin. Don't go near apparent sin and unapparent sin. Open and concealed sin. Now there's different explanations to this here. The Mufassirun explained it in different ways. Some Mufassirin of the opinion that this, this refers to zina. That zina done openly and zina done privately. Some say that this refers to sins which are done with the limbs of the body, which is apparent. And some refer to the akhlaqi razila, the sins within our hearts, the sins of jealousy, of pride, of haughtiness, those kind of sins. So do not approach near sins. 
Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا الزِّنَا إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَا Then don't go near zina. Allah ta'ala didn't say, don't commit zina. Don't even go near zina. But if you go near zina, then you'll fall into the sin of zina. If the butter is kept next to a hot stove, it obviously has to melt. It will not freeze. So put your guards in place. For the same with sin, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنْ That don't go near sin, then you will fall into the trap of sin. وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ And the fifth command Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says is that do not take any person's life except with justification. And justification of taking a person's life is not in our hands. That has to go, we cannot take matters into our own hands. That goes to the Qadi in an Islamic court, in a Sharia court. The Qadi decides whether the death penalty is given to a person, the life of a person will be taken. And the, the ulama explain that when can a person's life be taken? There are few circumstances when a Muslim's life can be taken. Number one, a person intentionally murders somebody. Cold-blooded murder, first-degree murder, qatli amad, as the Quran Sharif says, if a person commits murder, then his life will be taken once the qadi makes that decision. The second person whose life will be taken is a person who commits zina, a married person who commits zina. An unmarried person who commits zina, he's given a hundred lashes. Azaniyatu wazani, bajlidu kulla wahidin minhuma mi'ata jaza. But a married person, a married person who commits zina, that person has to be put to death. How Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam put that sahabiyah on her own request, put her to death. She said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, purify me, purify me of my sin. The third person is a person who's a homosexual. That person, a homosexual, that person, a qadi can put him to death as well. And the fourth person is a person who makes irtidat, a person who becomes murtad. A person who is born a Muslim, who accepted Islam. There is no compulsion for a person to accept the deen of Islam. But once a person has accepted the deen of Islam, a person is a Muslim, is born into a Muslim home, then a person can make irtidad. And we can see the amount of irtidad in our community. We can see how many of our youth are becoming murtad, sometimes little known to the parents. Mawlana Abu Hassan Ali, Madhvi rahimahullah, the giant of the last century. What he said that it is intellectual apostasy. What we are saying is of intellectual apostasy. The promotion of feminism. The pro- promotion of materialism. The promotion of secularism. These, these things are being driven with a very, very strong agenda. Sometimes undetected by us. The agenda behind them. Bringing women into the masajid. Doing such kind of things. Promoting such things, etc. Allah Ta'ala save us. Our benchmark is the Sharia. Our benchmark is what Allah has commanded us. Our benchmark is what Rasulullah has commanded us. That is our benchmark. There's no other benchmark. In the Islam. Our deen is how the deen was given to us by Rasulullah and conveyed to us by the Sahaba Islam. So we have, com- we have completed the first five commands in these ten commands. Inshallah, time is up if we get the other five commands. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbi.